Welcome to the Upwards Podcast, an initiative of Upper House on the campus of the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Through conversations with thinkers, scholars, and leaders, we explore the life of the mind and the questions of the soul. Hello, and welcome to episode five of the Upwards podcast. Uh, We want to give you a happy new year here from Upper House and uh, prayers that 2021 will bring you many blessings. Today, I'm here with Rebecca Cooks, our hospitality coordinator at Upper House, and as you'll soon notice, the voice of our podcast intro. What a great voice. (laughs) Hi, Becca. (laughs) Hi. Uh, Becca led a learning cohort, which was a group of community members who met multiple times over the fall, and they met on the topic of lament. The conversation you're about to hear flows from this cohort. So Becca, can you tell us a bit about the cohort? Sure. So um, many of my teammates know me as the realist in residence on our team, where I'm probably the first one to say, this is not ideal or how is this actually happening? Are we being realistic? Are, are your expectations set too high? So on and so forth, um, where some might call me more pessimistic. So honestly, this seemed to fall right into my wheelhouse. But uh, after several years of just some hard life circumstances, some health related, some racially related within my own family, um, some relationship related, you know, the whole shebang. Um, I was left feeling probably even more pessimistic than I am now. And um, hopeless could be a strong term, but lacking hope for sure. And I attended a conference and in one of the breakout sessions, um, one of the leaders was talking about lament, and I had heard that term before growing up in the church, but couldn't really tell you anything about it besides there was a book in the Bible called Lamentations. And they spoke about lament as um, as a means of taking your grief and pain and using that as a pathway to get to hope. And I really resonated with that because I was thinking, okay, it's not masking these hard things. It's actually acknowledging the hard things, which is what I seemed to be very good at doing. And you're telling me that in acknowledging those things, I could probably get to hope or I could likely get to hope. And you know what? I like the sound of that. So maybe I should try it. I don't know anything about it, but maybe I should try it. So I got to present this idea to our program curator team. And that was at the very beginning of 2020. Little did we know that 2020 would be the year that it was um, with the pandemic with racial, racial tensions and really anything else that you can pick out. It has been quite a year. So the topic of lament seemed very, very applicable. I think it's always applicable, but it, I think it was put more in our faces of, oh, we need a way to cope with and handle what's being thrown at us right now. Um, so we created this lament cohort. It consisted of 10 people, and we met about every two to three weeks. And each week, uh, people we would come in to discussion and we would talk through a book that we will talk about in a little bit called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. Um, And then each session, I asked the members to 
write their own lament prayer. And it could be on the same topic, just revisiting it, or it could be a new topic each time, but to bring their own prayer of lament that they would share. And you'll actually get to hear those in this conversation. Um, And then the final part is that we would pray. Um, I wanted to have the practical application of not just talking about lament, but um, actually doing it. So we spent time doing that, and that consisted of the cohort. That's great. So the conversation we're about to hear is between you and two of the participants of the cohort, mm-hmm. uh, Paul and Latoya. Can you just give us the briefest of introductions to each of them? Uh, we'll hear them introduce themselves right at the beginning of the conversation. Yes, Paul Camps and Latoya Wilson. I am a huge fan of both. They are two of Madison's uh, community members, and they uh, volunteered to be a part of the cohort. Actually, Latoya, she might mention this in the talk. She wasn't even planning on joining, didn't know much about it, and it was like sheer happenstance that she was able to join day of, and they ended up being um, two wonderfully engaging members, um, vulnerable members, and they were so eager to learn. Um, so I was very happy to have their voices come through for the podcast. So you mentioned, uh, well, I should mention first that uh, you're going to hear uh, Latoya's lament, her own uh, recitation of her lament at around the 12 minute mark of the interview. Mm-hmm. And Paul's comes at around the 38 minute mark. So uh, if, as you're listening, you'll hear sort of a transition to and from those recitations. Uh, Becca, you mentioned in the conversation that you used a book by a pastor, Mark Vrogop. Mm -hmm. Tell us a bit about the book and how that structured your cohort. Yes. So um, Mark Vrogop, he is a pastor of College Park Church in Indianapolis. And I had um, just offhandedly, I think, seen an article that he had written called Dare to Hope in God, How to Lament Well. And it gave the briefest but rather comprehensive overview of lament. Um, And then about the same time, a pastor had recommended to me another book that Mark had written called, uh, let's see, A Weep With Me, which is is a book about lament and how that can lead to racial reconciliation. So I was intrigued by what he had written so far, uh, and it seemed like his first book called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, Discovering the Grace of Lament, was an overview of what lament was and not knowing lament myself. I was like, perfect. I am learning this along with uh, my other cohort members. So we went through just the first section of the book. Actually, there is more to lament that Mark Rogop talks about, but we stuck with the first section, which essentially gives structure to lament. It divides lament into four parts. And those four parts are turning to God, bringing complaints, asking boldly, and choosing to trust. And it's helpful because it gets you through a healthy form of processing your grief with God. Um, So this is not the only way to lament, but um, it's a very good and applicable way to lament. And you can find that structure throughout a lot of the Psalms. So that's what we used this book for. Awesome. Um, And you'll hear that structure throughout the conversation as well. The conversation is actually structured around those four stages of lament. Mm -hmm. So finally, Becca, having now led a cohort, which is a new type of uh, gathering we're pioneering here at Upper House, uh, what would you say was one of the takeaways from leading a cohort? Mm -hmm. One of the strongest takeaways for me was being able to see myself and the cohort members grow in how they communicate with God. Um, Lament in itself is a form of prayer and... um, Initially, as we started the cohort and we were going through these four components of prayer, 
we were maybe more legalistic where um, people would come back and I'd ask, okay, how was it writing this, uh, writing this prayer? And they were concerned that they, if they had done it correctly, if they had hit all the points, if they had sufficiently lamented um, and to transition from that thought process to, oh, it's not about hitting all of these components. It's about being honest and real with God. Um, it's about sharing my heart and my need. It's asking God to intervene. And then it's also recognizing who I'm talking to, who this faithful, good, and powerful sovereign God is and how he can play a role. And so it reinstills uh, a faith in God, even if your situation hasn't actually changed. And so to progress from worrying if we're lamenting correctly to our very last week where people prayed for their other lament cohort members, it was beautiful to hear their prayers. They were profound. They were heartfelt. They didn't seem scripted at all. They were natural and they were so, so honest, which is something that we were discovering. We we struggle to do. We are challenged to just be honest with God. Um, and then the small nature of a learning cohort allowed for us to know each other well, to know each other's stories, and then to see that growth and to witness people evolve, essentially. So that was a wonderful, wonderful part to see people end up talking to God in such a real way by the end of it. Yeah, the change over time can be really meaningful uh, to be able to trace it uh, mm -hmm. over a whole semester. Absolutely. So thanks, Becca. Uh, lament can be a very personal topic, mm -hmm. and we also want to thank Paul and Latoya for being honest and open about their lives and experiences yes, in and the amen. conversation. We also want to take a moment to let you know that a few new cohorts are opening up in the new year here at Upper House. So you can check out our website at upperhouse.org events for the latest on those cohorts. And if you have thoughts or questions about today's conversation, send us a message at podcast at slbrownfoundation.org. Now for an upwards conversation on the spiritual practice of lament. Okay, well, let's get started. Uh, would you each introduce yourselves and share what you do during the waking hours of the day? Um, well, my name is Latoya Wilson. I am a student at the University of Wisconsin-Madison studying marketing, and that is in the business school. I'm 20 years old, and I'm a Los Inglewood, oh, California, rather, native. And early in the morning, honestly, I am usually asleep. I am definitely a night owl and not a morning bird. So typically I will definitely be in bed. And especially now that classes are online, I take my time to get ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the pandemic has completely changed how life has looked, especially for students on UW-Madison's campus. Absolutely. My name is Paul Camps, and I'm a job developer with a nonprofit employment and training organization here in the Madison area. I work primarily with uh, HR folks and hiring managers to find the right employees and to help our program participants who are uh, mainly lower income, minority, homeless folks, um, help them find meaningful work. And uh, love the opportunity to be on the podcast and look forward to sharing more with, with everybody listening. Wonderful. I'm very glad you uh, could both be here with us today. So both Latoya and Paul were members in our learning cohort on Lament. So to both of you, I need to ask, what compelled you to use your free time to study such a deep and often sad topic like Lament? Yeah, that's a great question. 
I honestly, when I think about how I came to this cohort, I think it was just such a God thing, really. Um, I remember I had a friend who was in the cohort originally with us, and she told me about it way before it even started. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting, but I don't really know if that's something I want to do. And I didn't sign up for it originally. But then I actually experienced a breakup, which was my first breakup, and it tore me apart. And I was so lost and so devastated and I just didn't know where to turn or what to do. And I didn't know how to speak to God about it. And in that moment, I remembered her talking to me about this lament cohort. And I went on the website to sign up and it was full and I couldn't, there wasn't a link and I didn't understand like, I was like, maybe it's not for me, but I felt like it was. So I reached out to my friend and she actually got me in contact with um, Rebecca. And oh, I actually got a spot totally last minute. And the breakup actually happened the day before the first meeting occurred. So everything just, I feel like was in God's timing. Wow. Wow. That's wonderful. And you were such a wonderful member to have in the group. So I would agree that it was very much God orchestrated. Paul, same question, because I, as I was preparing um, promotional material for the cohort, I was like, I, gosh, it just kind of sounds like I'm asking people to come cry with me. And, and who, who takes people up on that offer? So uh, what compelled you to join the group? Well, I think it was partly professional and partly personal. I, I, as I said, I, I work with a lot of folks who are uh, hurting and, and going through difficult situations. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought, well, you know, it, it might help me relate better in terms of my job. But the, the personal aspect um, was also pretty important. I, I've just had a little bit of teaching on lament previously, but it, it is just not something that is very uh, popular or, or mm-hmm. maybe relevant, especially among the Christian community or the evangelical Christian community, you just don't hear a lot about uh, lamenting. There's not a lot of sermons on it, and certainly there are not a lot of songs. Um, And and just to kind of a a teaser, I suppose, one thing that I learned going through the cohort was that a third of the 150 psalms Mm -hmm. are laments. And that just really surprised me. And I think, you know, going into this cohort, I, I, you know, I, I've never really thought a lot about lamenting. And like I said, there's just not a lot of material or teachings or um, practical kinds of emphasis in the, in the greater church um, on lamenting. Yeah, that was so good. I even want to stress like with what you said, I was actually taken back and surprised as well by the fact that one third of the book of Psalms are laments. Because really my first time hearing about the whole topic of lament was through this cohort and really being taught like how to lament. And the book of Psalms is one of those books that is heavily taught, at least it was taught in my church, yet the word lament and like being described as lament wasn't. So I think that is very interesting. Which is interesting because even one of the books of the Bible, Lamentations, is completely centered, the entire book is a lament. Um, But it's true, I, I... think in particularly the Western church, uh, we don't talk about lament frequently. Uh, we are much more oriented toward praise, uh, towards 
where have we been successful toward let's charge up the next mountain, which all of those things are good, but become very one-sided if, if we aren't able to acknowledge, right, but this, is, this hurts, this is bad, this is hard, I, it shouldn't be this way. Um, so ideally, we can walk forward in a bit more of a well-rounded uh, faith, being able to do both. So to learn about lament, uh, we went through the four components of a lament prayer as presented by Mark Rogop in his book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. And the first component is called turning to God, which is essentially saying that in lament, we are sitting in the middle of a gap where on one side we have hard realities that are very present and very true. Uh, but then on the other side, we have God's good promises, which we also believe are present and true but how do you get from one to the other? Um, and when these hard realities are overwhelming, which they often are, it's just a challenge to pray, uh, to, to pray because of fatigue. Um, it's hard to pray because we just don't know what to say or because we're doubting what those good promises are. And so it's a step of faith and acknowledgement of who God is to even decide to wade through all that and still talk to him. So uh, one of the quotes from the first chapter of the book, I'll just read it. Frogop writes, to pray in pain, even with its messy struggle and tough questions, is an act of faith where we open up our hearts to God. Prayerful lament is better than silence. However, I found that many people are afraid of lament. They find it too honest, too open, or too risky. But there's something far worse, silent despair. Giving God the silent treatment is the ultimate manifestation of unbelief. Despair lives under the hopeless resignation that God doesn't care, he doesn't hear, and nothing is ever going to change. People who believe this stop praying. They give up. So in response to that, I'll turn it over to you to, to hear your thoughts. Um, during a tough time, what has kept you from turning toward God? One thing I honestly was thinking when, like, first of all, even rereading this for the second time now is like, I believe like this is very real. Like sometimes we just believe like God doesn't care, you know, or like, it's, you know, he, I believe he's all knowing. So if he knows I'm going through this, like, why do I even have to say it? He already knows this. Mm -hmm. Other reasons I feel like for me personally, why I haven't turned to God in the past, I think really, I think back to like two main words, which are shame and unworthiness. And so sometimes if I have like feelings of shame, I'm like, I have this sin in my life or I'm doing this, I know it's not right. Then I'm like, well, I don't deserve. And again, those are the feelings of unworthiness. I don't deserve to ask God for help. I don't deserve to complain to God because if I fix these things, maybe this wouldn't even be like this, or maybe this is only happening because of how I'm living my life in this certain area. Mm -hmm. And it's just recognizing one, like, God knows what you're dealing with. He knows what you're struggling with. And so you don't have to feel unworthy because he, he knows who you are, you know, and he knows he's like, that's why I sent my son. And so, I mean, we'll later on get into that. I feel like when it comes to like lamenting, but really, I just want to stress, like for me personally, those are like the main issues that have kept me from turning towards God, especially during my like troubling times. Yes. Yeah. Those are profound. Definitely coming from a source of, am I even allowed to do this? Um, that's, yeah, that's very powerful as a motivator. Uh, Paul, what would you say? I think jumping off of that, LaToya, I, I feel like for me, some of it is this concept of, of just complaining 
being inherently bad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, we're taught not to complain a lot of times and, and to kind of keep a stiff upper lip uh, to, you know, even pretend that everything's fine sometimes when it's, when it's not. And there's something uh, innately negative about complaining. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not viewed real highly or positively. And uh, so that's a, that's a block for me. And I, I think another block or another difficulty for me is just um, as a man, and, and I was one of two men in this cohort, um, but as a man, I think, you know, there's this sort of macho culture, even, mm-hmm. even in the 2020s uh, as, a, as a renaissance man, it, it still is, uh, you know, it might be okay nowadays to, to cry privately, but, you know, you certainly don't want to be out there publicly. Um, and, and I think there's, a, again, this um, barrier, this stereotype that lamenting or, or complaining and, and allowing yourself to feel um, is it is a negative, especially for for men. But I, I also think that, um, and, and you touched on this a little bit back at the opening that it, you know the group isn't just about crying, and and lamenting is so much more than that. Um, mm-hmm. It's so much more passionate, so much more um, even rage and anger sometimes at at the injustices and the things that have been done either to us individually or many times corporately. And that was something that I was really impressed by as far as the cohort goes, the, the timing of it was fabulous. Uh, in terms of just the, the racial stuff that's been going on, George Floyd and um, COVID and the, the isolation. And there's just a lot corporately, I think, big picture that has come out with the, the lamenting cohort and the timing of it um, has just been beautiful in terms of the, the bigger picture lamenting. I cry out to you in the silence. I sit with you in the quiet. In the waiting, my soul longs for an answer to what has remained hidden. I question the sun for my son. Yet like the silence of the years, so too is your quietness my pain. Unanswered for the unanswerable. Why do you not vindicate? Why do you not redeem? Why do you not restore? Why do you not heal? After and through his few years, O Lord, you remain. He is yours, not mine. He is yours, not the silent ones. He is yours. Help him speak. Give him voice, O God, in the vacuum of silence. Grant him your presence, peace, and power to attack the aloneness and to silence the silencer with his words. May your words be his words. So I wait, I trust, I pray, I speak until he does. Then the silencer will be silenced. Praise him, my Lord and my God. Well, to go off of that, let's just push into the second component of laments which is bringing complaint. Rogap lists this um, as a part of our communication to God, where we just leave it all out there. We let him know every point of anger, every disappointed hope. 
we describe our physical pain, we yell at the injustice, so on and so forth. Unfortunately, life does not uh, leave us without anything to complain about. There is usually something that we can lament over. Um, and so, Paul, your lament, uh, your lament that you wrote, I think, showcases that really well. In it, you are coming to God, but you're acknowledging that you're doing so silently and with tears and with great uncertainty. Uh, you ask point blank, why do you not vindicate? Why do you not redeem? So recognizing that this is the emotion with which you're coming to God, Paul, can you just tell us about your experience writing this lament? Specifically, what was it like to ask such bold and blunt questions of God? Yeah, for me, it was um, contrary to what I, what I just said about the kind of the national lament and the big issues. For me, at least with this particular lament, I, I settled on something that was, was deeply personal. Uh, in a, a situation with my son and um, that had occurred many years ago and has since you know not really been resolved, not really has been out in the open it's something that's been hidden through all these years and and uh, yeah it was, so it was tough it was it was tough to go there. it was difficult to to sit with that pain, and I think that's really an important part of of complaining, not that there's a right way or a wrong way to complain, but giving ourselves permission to wrestle with whatever sorrow, whatever pain we're dealing with, instead of rushing to end it. And and so often I think as a as counselors or just as Christians helping other Christians, you know, we, we want to be quick with scripture, we want to be quick to encourage, we want to be quick to um let people know that everything's okay or it's yeah. going to be okay. And, and it, it kind of does a disservice to the idea of lamenting and, and sitting with that pain and wrestling through things and, and really identifying and naming those spirits or those things that are, are troubling us. Um, and to, to allow that to, to allow ourselves to feel that, that pain in a very real way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Latoya, I'm wondering if you can speak to the heart posture that you have when you find yourself bringing complaints to God. We talked about in our cohort, you know, can you be angry with God or is there a level of honesty that you just should not be bringing to Heavenly Father on the throne of grace? Um, and, and what should your heart be? If should it even the right language to use? So what are your thoughts on that? I know this was a discussion we had in our cohort because in the book, there was like a message that we were trying to decide if we agreed with or not about like, don't come to God angry or like in a, that kind of sense. And that's something I don't agree with. And many of us had like problems with that language because sometimes we are angry. That is a genuine emotion. That is a real emotion that we feel as people and as human beings. And if we are angry and that's the heart posture you need to come to God with, then that is valid in every sense. And so I believe the heart posture that you need to come to God with isn't one that's composed. Isn't one where, okay, I finally got it under control because no, we are going to God because we don't have it under control. We're going to God because we don't know where to look and we don't know where to turn it. We don't want to handle it on our own. 
And I, so if your heart posture in that moment is you're just completely overwhelmed with anger, that's how you go to God. Cause then he can help you learn how, like, where do I put this anger? Where should I place it? Like, how do I take hold of it and handle it? So I don't think there's any like particular way to come to God other than to come honestly, come ready to literally just release what you need to release and say what you need to say. Sure, he already knows, but there is something framed about saying it. There's something framed about acknowledging it for yourself. So I think that is really the heart posture you need to come to God. It's that vulnerability. It's I am here and this is true yes. how I feel, regardless of if you're angry, if you're sad, if it's like just like if it's rage, if it's indignation, whatever it is, just come to him with it and be honest and vulnerable about it. And speaking on something that Paul was saying earlier, I remember in our cohort, we had a discussion where someone was talking about how they were kind of going through without them really realizing the process of lament and they were in their complaint stage. And someone came to them and was like trying to do like what we are, I feel like in church often trained to do. So in no way or shape or form am I faulting them for doing this, but we're like, okay, yeah, here, let me give you some scriptures. Let me encourage you. Let me tell you to move past this. And I feel like that in a way invalidates the process of lamenting that invalidates that complaint is a valid process. And it's something that someone should have room to go through. If someone is in their complaint stage, you shouldn't try to jump to trust. You shouldn't try to make them think like that's what they have to be. Yes, that's the end goal. But if you're on your journey, you can't expect someone to already be at hour 20 when they're at hour 10. Like allow them to travel the full journey without feeling like they have to rush past certain steps. Complaint is not a step that has to be rushed past. It's not a step that has to end quickly. It's not the step like, oh, this should be the shortest one. Mm -hmm. If it needs to be your longest one, then it can be your longest one. But I think that's a problem that we have in the church. And that's something that we are told to do. So that's why I'm, again, saying like, I don't fault anyone for doing that because that is what we're told. Like, oh, someone's upset. Find the perfect scripture to help them. And I do think there are times where that is necessary. I do think there are times where it's like, yes, guide people to scripture but you can guide someone to scripture about telling them don't complain you don't have room to complain like this is where you're supposed to be we can't tell people where they're supposed to be in their process if they're in their complaint let them sit for that time in the complaint don't let them get stuck there but let them be able to sit there for the time they need to sit there oh she preaching paul you look like i love you I love your energy and enthusiasm, Latoya, and I, and I totally agree in terms of, of just feeling and allowing those emotions to come out. And, and I, feel like, I feel like so often we just don't know how to complain. And, and perhaps because, you know, what I mentioned before, that it, it's kind of looked upon sometimes very negatively, but, it, it, you know, it's it's not necessarily despair or denial, you know, I mean, it, it, I think we kind of vacillate between those two sometimes and where, where there's, you know, we complain and complain and complain and there's no hope and, and it's bitterness and, and anger and, and just hopelessness or alternatively, we, we just think everything is fine and we're, we're resolute and we're, there's this quiet desperation. Um, 
and, and I think also it's it's more than just a list of of grievances. I, I was thinking about this earlier and how it lament is so much more than just coming to God and, and making a, a list. Mm-hmm. Similar, I suppose, to prayer. You know, prayer is so much more than just a list of requests. You know, you come with your laundry list and you go through it. Um, so yeah, I, I, and I, I think the complaining process is it's interesting because I, I think as we express that pain and that sorrow and that frustration and, and life is hard. Um, there's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of anger and it's, it's raw. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's what life is. And I think as we express that instead of pushing us away from God, it actually does the opposite. It moves us toward him. And, and it's, I think, I also think of it, I guess, as on the human level with, with a spouse or a significant other where, um, you know, if we're dealing with something relationally, uh, so often we fear, oh, you know, they're going to react negatively if I express myself or if I let that, let that out and it'll, it'll drive me away from them or drive them away from me. Hopefully that honesty and that authenticity will actually draw the person closer. And it's not the end, you know, complaining is that we don't get stuck in that. And, and I think that's important too, that alternately, you don't want to get stuck in the complaining. You want, you want that to move you forward. You want that to move you closer to God, not away from God. And it's, it's a beginning, it's a beginning point. And so we can't, we can't skip it. We can't just deny it and kind of brush over it and say everything's fine. But we also don't want to get stuck in it. And I think too often that that also is what might happen because life is hard. Uh, we can get stuck in that and you know spiral down rather than allowing it to to move us forward. So if you two were to uh, give a one to two sentence tutorial on how to complain well given what you've learned um, and that it's not where we end up. It's part of the process, but it's not the final spot. How would you say this is how you complain well to God? I think recognizing that, that, that it is a movement from the questioning, from, from asking God all those why things that, that really both Latoya and I did in our, in our own laments. Um, you know, why do you not do this? Or why do you do this? To move from um, that why to the who and, and moving into who God is and God's character. And, and it's, I think it's important to know that those why questions aren't always answered before the request. Mm-hmm. The, the, the why and the complaint is not always answered before you ask your questions. Uh, they kind of coexist in this weird tension. So I think that, yeah, I think that's important to just know that you can hold on to the whys, you can hold on to some of the pain without living in it, without getting stuck there. But, you know, you can simultaneously hold on to the why and those tough questions at the same time as as you're moving into the who and, and how God speaks into your situation. Yeah, that's a very good point, Paul, where... I- at least I think subconsciously I even had the thought that, okay, I've gone through the process of lament. So my situation or my emotions about it, either one should be resolved. And that's not necessarily the case. A couple of our other cohort members had commented on how pain and grief is not linear, 
So our processing with God likely won't be linear either. And so lament is something that we will need to come back to again and again, even on the same topic at times. Uh, so I, that's a really good point, Paul, that it's not a one-stop shop. You did it, you're done, let's move on. Oh, but Latoya, you were going to add in some thoughts. Yes, just on the idea of how to complain well, a short one to two sentence tutorial, I was like really thinking like, how do I want to phrase it? And honestly, it's quite simple. And it's just like a summary of what I said earlier, but be vulnerable and be honest. That's how you complain well to me. If I had to just give a quick one sentence tutorial, be vulnerable and be honest. Wonderful. Okay, well, since we've made the point that complaint is not where we stop, let's go to the third component of lament, which is making bold requests. And this comes from a passage in Hebrews that I will just read for us quickly. It's Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. And it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So in the step of making our bold requests, we don't end with complaints, but we then turn them into requests in a situation where we can't do anything. And we have acknowledged that. We are asking the God who can do something to intervene. I guess my first question from that would be, why do we shy away from making requests? Yeah, I would say this kind of goes back to one of my earlier points where I was saying, but sometimes I feel like we feel unworthy to ask God of things. I think that is huge, whether it can come from a multitude of places feeling unworthy. You can feel unworthy because you're like, I'm, I'm just like me. I'm just a human. That's, this is God. He has better things to do. Or other people have bigger requests than this. I'm asking for like a car, but I can still use public transportation where someone else is like asking for their life you know, when they're asking to help fight off some disease or sickness. And I feel like feeling some unworthiness can come from that. Feeling some unworthiness sometimes can come from, as I said earlier, the whole, I'm not living my life the way I feel like I should be. And so why would God even listen to me? Like, I'm not who I'm supposed to be right now. So I think that's like one of the biggest reasons why people shy away in general from making requests, because they don't feel worthy enough to make the request. So I think the first step in alleviating that is acknowledging that one, God never asked us to come sinless. <laughs> God never asked us to come to him perfect. In fact, he acknowledges like all fall short from the glory of God. He knows that we've fallen short. He knows that. And that is why he sent his son. So anytime you feel unworthy, just remember Jesus. That's what I think. Like if you feel unworthy, just thank God for Jesus and make the requests you need to make. But like, I feel like when you acknowledge that, it's also how you can move on from the complaint stage into asking boldly. That's how you really don't get stuck, acknowledging that Jesus is the sacrifice that you need to be able to ask God for things. He is the bridge. The more I hear you talk, LaToya, the more I just am so confirmed that lamenting is, is a wonderful tool because we're, we're so messed up. We are so messed up. We, and I think it's two sides to the same coin. You know, you talk a lot about the, the view of ourselves, the view of the view of yourself, you know, and how 
we view ourselves so wrongly. You know, we don't we don't view ourselves as we should in in, in God's eyes. You know, and and at the same time, I think part of my problem not only that, but but uh, the other side of the coin is we also don't view God mm. as He is. Mm. We we totally don't understand or take to heart God's character. You know, yeah, we can acknowledge that. Sure, God is loving. Sure, God is gracious. Sure, God is forgiving. Yet, you know, we we don't trust. I, I think of the disciples often and examples from that. You know, and Becca, that scripture was fabulous because it contained the word yet. Yet. He did not sin. And yet is, the book makes this point that that, that word yet kind of marks that place in the journey where pain and belief can coexist. All of those things are true, you know, that, that we feel unworthy and, and there's a lot of pain and a lot of sorrow in our lives and in this world. Yet, God is faithful. And I think for me, the challenge is in why I don't ask is I, is I think it's a lack of faith. The, the Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Like, yeah, I believe and I have faith, but not for that. I don't have faith for abuses that my son endured when he was a kid. I don't have faith for the injustices that we've seen this year, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, whether it's racial, whether it's all of the above. I don't have faith, enough faith in the midst of COVID. Sure, God is big, but is he big enough to trust when it comes to things like COVID or racial injustices or this or that? Big things or things very, very personal. I don't have that kind of faith, and that's why I don't, I don't ask boldly. Yes, that's so good, Paul. That is so good. Like I feel like it's <laughs> so easy to just sit there and be like, yes, I know God can, you know, but can he in my circumstances, you know, will he even, I feel like that's yeah. the question we yeah. ask. Yeah. I know God can do this, but will he do this for me? You know, like, I feel like that's just so just, that was yes. So spot on what you were saying. Like just. It's oh. that foot of space from our heads to our heart, mm. you know, and, and something gets lost. We can know it intellectually. We can know it in our head. We can know it from Sunday school, but we, sometimes we don't live it from our hearts. Oh my gosh. I'm just, obviously we're on a podcast so people can't see me, but I am like nodding my head vigorously. Like, oh my goodness, everything you've said. Um, so like, what, what do we do when we, we acknowledge, okay, there's this request that I have of God, but I don't know if he will act on it, or I don't know if he will act on it the way that I'm Questing. And so it may not even be a question of can he, but will he? What do you do? Do you still pray it? Or how do you reconcile your question to continue lamenting? I feel anytime you have something going on in your heart that's causing some sort of trouble, that's causing feelings of conflict and contention within you, it's something you can lament about. Even if you are at that point, like, I don't know if he will. If it is causing you that internal struggle, I do believe that is a topic to lament. That is a topic to surrender to God. And it's just acknowledging just because you surrendered something to God doesn't mean it's going to go the way you want it to go. Doesn't mean it's an it's going to be answered right in that moment. I know there were some Psalms that we even read during our cohort where if it is finished, the 
psalm is completed, which means it, all, it goes all the way down to the trust and finishes, which we'll later get into what that means. But the situation that the psalmist was referring to was not resolved at the end of the psalm. However, the lament was finished. And I feel like that is something that's hard to reconcile. How is the lament finished, but the situation isn't resolved? But that kind of goes back to the point earlier that I believe both you, Becca, and Paul were talking about where lamenting is this continuous like cycle. You lament and you can lament again and you can lament again. It's never a time where you can't turn to God and get to trust and then turn to God again and come back to trust. And so I think sometimes if we're struggling with, will you, that in itself can be a topic to lament. So first let me, let me like talk about my circumstance and then let me go back and talk about the, will you, and let my next lament be, will you, and just keep going and going if that's what it takes for you. And I think that is a valid process. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. And, and I think, too, as we, the more we study scripture, the more we, we know about God's character, it's almost like the more we realize what we don't know. And lamenting is kind of like that. There was a quote from the book, and I, I wrote it down because it just, it hit me. It said, complaints aren't dead-end cul-de-sacs of sorrow, but bridges that lead to God's character. I think that that quote really helps me get my head around that when I'm when I've turned to God, when I've poured out my complaint, when I've asked the tough questions, and I'm still not feeling that trust. And at that point, it kind of shifts from, from feeling to knowing and, and just knowing God's character and resting on his promises. And it, it, it sounds easy, but it's, it's hard. And I, uh, there was one more quote that I, I, I just want to, I'll mention it because it, it, again, it helps me to trust. And it helps me to, to kind of put my feet on solid ground. It's from the book, but I think it was by John Piper. And he said, keep trusting the one who keeps you trusting. And, and I, it just speaks to faith in things past, God's goodness, God's character in the past and in other times and in other circumstances in my life and in the world, you know, and, and that we can keep trusting the one who keeps us trusting. Wow. I want to jump into the last section because I feel like the predominant question I now have is, okay, like what is the purpose of lament? If, if our situation doesn't necessarily change or if we have to keep lamenting, if um, the lament does not actually end what we're going through, what's the point? Um, so we're getting to that very soon. Before we do, I just want to make a last point on um, making bold requests, which is it still can be difficult to make a request for all the reasons that we've listed and I'm sure many more. Um, and so something that the book mentioned and that we also got to experience in the cohort is having a community around you. One of the many reasons that we have the body of Christ, um, having a community around you who can help make those requests for you or who can help carry the faith or the confidence for you when you are just really not strong enough to do it because you will often not feel strong enough to do it, or you'll feel so close to the situation that you're just like, I don't have it in me. Whatever it is that I need, it doesn't feel like it's here. So this was mentioned in the book. And then in our last session of the cohort, we even got to do this where one cohort member would read a lament that they had written similar to what we're hearing from you, Toy and Paul. And then the next person would actually pray the requests that they heard in that prayer for that person. Um, and it was very powerful and very beautiful. And the words that came out were 
strong and courageous. It was very much approaching boldly to the throne of grace. Um, And so that seems to be a really helpful component to lament that you don't necessarily get from just reading the Psalms because it's one person writing, but the need of others to help you carry that uh, is, is a great component. Lord God, why do you deny me love and relationship? Why must I feel alone and cast aside while others' cups overfill with connection? Why do I see both believers and non-believers alike forming lifelong bonds while I stand alone? Why does my soul thirst for a best friend who is a root of my tree and not just a leaf? A friend who stands close like a brother. Lord, why do you allow me to be in so many temporary circumstances? Why do you take me from my home state, where I have at least my family, my parents, and my sisters, to a place over a thousand miles away where I have no one, a place that has only brought me people who will break my heart? Why, Lord, did you give me a desire for human connection without providing the connection? What lessons shall I learn now from feeling alone that I haven't already been taught within the first 20 years of this tournament. Lord, open my eyes to what you have been trying to teach me. Make me into a person deserving of relationship. Lord, provide me with roots, no more leaves who only stay for seasons or branches who break off in the face of a storm. Lord, give me roots. As they grow, so do I, and as I get stronger, so do they. Lord, in your name, release me from the heartache of missing my shedded leaves. Remind me, O Lord, that their presence was never meant to be permanent. Release the permanent hold they have on my heart. For I trust that you know the plans that you have for me. These are plans to prosper me and not to harm me. I trust everything I have experienced will work out for my good. Lord, I trust You understand the desire of my heart as it was you who declared that it is not good for man to be alone. And you who promised that things work out for good for those who believe. Therefore, I will trust that the situation is not finished yet since it is not good. To come to the culminating point, why do we even lament? Uh, The final component of lament prayer is choosing to trust. And Vrogop explains that this is the ultimate destination of laments, to get to a place of renewed trust and hope in God, even with lamentable circumstances still going on. So Latoya, in your lament, you so clearly make requests of God and ask him to intervene. And it's not like a happy or hope-filled language that you're using. It's like, what is going on? Uh, And that comes through very clearly. Uh, But then you go from telling God the ways that he seems absent and that you would like him to act to then transitioning into this final step of lament, which is choosing to trust in God. And you start repeating God's promises back to him, promises about his good plans for you, um, how, and just plans for hope and not for harm, all of this good stuff. So how did you feel about this final step? Because that can be a pretty fast change. Maybe fast is not the right term. But it's, it's like a 180 at times. So did that feel jarring or forced? Was it frustrating or liberating? Was it helpful? Just how did you feel about that in writing your lament? So I would say for me, it's like a combination of so many different feelings at once. But I will overall say it is very helpful for me. 
And in this particular circumstance, I don't believe it felt forced. I can see sometimes like choosing to trust. I can definitely feel like, yes, at times I can feel like I'm forcing myself to do this, but like, I know I should and I'm forcing myself. But in this particular situation and for this particular lament, it was just very helpful for me because again, like the situation I was going like going through, I really like for me needed those reminders of his promises that like, no, he wants me to have like this connection. Like, like I said, he is the one who said it. It's not good for a man to be alone. This was something that he declared. And it's helpful for me to remind myself of the character of God. You know, like this is his promises. And for me, that was amazing. And it felt liberating to move on to that step. It, it did to feel, to know like, this is the God I know, the God I believe in. I'm going to Paul's point earlier, where it moves from feelings to just facts, you know, like this is the fact of what I know about God. This is a fact of who he is. And so again, just speaking on this particular moment, it was just a liberating feeling for me to be able to say like, I just, I trust this. And this is what I know for a fact. However, there have been other laments during this process because we had wrote one lament per um, meeting is what we were doing. And there were other laments where it was frustrating. It was so frustrating. And I didn't, I, I still wanted to ask more boldly, like more bold requests. I still wanted to complain a little more in the middle. <laughs> like I just wanted to keep going. It was frustrating to have to try to trust God because it felt as though he, like I was like, I feel like I've done this before. And I feel like, you know, he didn't, it, it didn't work the first time. Is it going to work now? I don't understand. I feel like the more comfortable you get lamenting for me, the like easier sometimes it is to transition. Although the topic really does matter. You know, the heavier the topic, the harder the transition, without a doubt. Like if this is something I am going through, this is real. I could be, have been lamenting for years and it's gonna, <laughs> there's gonna be some friction there and it's gonna hurt. But it, again, for this particular lament, it was just, it really felt good for me. It really felt liberating to be able to remind myself the promises because it just was like, wow, like these are promises he has. And that's comforting to know that like the situation I'm going through kind of back to Hebrews, he has gone through, he understands me and he understands what I'm going through. And that's why he promised me that this won't be going on for forever. I loved how you brought out promise after promise after promise near the end of your lament latoya and and just resting on those and 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 reminding god of who he is and reminding him of his character and i i, I think that i think that's so critical to kind of recognize that in the midst of our our trials our sufferings and and those things we wrestle with that that who god is eclipses and surpasses and is just so much more prominent you know he's a he's a big god and he cares for each of us deeply so deeply and and that eclipses and that's more prominent than than our questions and our complaints and our our troubles as as raw and hard and and difficult as as life is you know god god gets it and he's there and and in your case, he's relational. 
And yes, doesn't he want that for, for each of us as well, that he, he is a relational God. He lives in relationship with us. And, and he wants that for, for us as well, individually here on this earth with each other. And it goes back to uh, Becca's point about uh, before, about just before the, the lament that you read, being in communion with each other, you know, and, and that, that is part of that relationalness of God. Yes. And I think the community aspect of it is so important, especially because I don't believe any one person knows every single promise of God. But I believe if you get a group of people, the more people you have in that group, the more likely that like different people know the different promises. And so <laughs> what you're going through, maybe you don't even know there's a promise of God for that, you know? But if you have someone in your group, yeah. you have someone in your community who's like, hey, this is a promise of God that he says, this is his word. And I just, again, think that's so important because we sometimes do lack that, you know? knowing his promises. I just think having access to his promises is amazing and having people around us who can remind us as well is just such a blessing. Yeah, and 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 I think the other part of that too, again, not just not just reminding us of those those traits of God and those character uh the character of God that that we can't see, but also the the view of ourselves. And and as an encourager, I I love that about the body of Christ that that I can help somebody who's discouraged because I see things in them at that, at that point that they can't see. They don't, they don't have those eyes of faith. And, and from the outside looking in, I can look at a, a friend or a colleague or, in, in my case, a program participant, and, and I, I hear their struggles and their difficulties, and I can speak life into them. I can speak the faith for them that they don't have. And I, and I think that's part of it, too, that that we can help each other improve uh, our, our views of ourselves and, and we can help each other improve our views of God as well. I just have so many points that I wrote down and y'all just covered all of them. Shoot, I don't, I don't even need to be here. This is amazing. Okay, so what are some of the promises of God or the attributes of God that you cling to? Because like I said earlier, uh, when you're in the middle of mess you're not like searching through the bible and being like oh yes 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 this about god and this about god and great i'm restored you're like i don't i don't have it in me there is you want me to get off of my couch you want me to move i'm there are too many tears i can't read anything i haven't eaten in days right like you're just a mess and so it's helpful to have promises of god and attributes of god just already in your heart and mind or ones that you easily come back to where it doesn't require all of the hunting and searching. So what are some of those things for you guys that you consistently hold on to? Yes, I would say lately for me, and this is a promise of God that I just learned about. Again, the same friend who brought me to the cohort actually introduced me to this. And it's a scripture from Jeremiah. I believe it's Jeremiah 29, 13. And it says, I have it up on my wall, actually. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I love that so much. That is a promise that I cling to. And it's crazy how like much I cling to it, considering I've only known the scripture now for like less than three months. But I like my soul clings to it. 
because there's so many times for me, especially I feel like when you're in this lament process where you're like, where are you, God? Where are you? And just knowing he promises that if you search wholeheartedly, seek rather, but if you seek wholeheartedly, you will find me. I think that's just incredible. It's incredible. And it's a promise. And it's, I can rely on that. So that's one lately that I just clung to with like all that I have. Yeah. Good stuff. I scripture, scripture, scripture. Yeah. Love that. Some of the old Psalms or old hymns have just really been speaking to me. I, the, the two that, that come to mind, um, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. There's a line that says, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him. And that just speaks to that faithfulness in the past. I have, through the life that I've lived and the struggles and difficulties, you know, I I have proved him over and over, you know, and, and it's like, I have recognized his faithfulness. He has been there. He's been dependable. He's been reliable. He's been trustworthy. He comes through when I need him. And um, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, oh, for, for grace to trust him more. And, and so, yeah, those, those old-time hymns just lately. Uh, another great one is How Firm a Foundation. Fear not, I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God and will still give thee aid. And, and again, just his, his presence with us through history and through these times and, and on into the future. Um, so yeah, between scripture and between some of the sort of the old school hymns, um, that those are some of the places I go to as well. Honestly, and even hearing you talk like, yes, music, when you need to get through something, <laughs> the right song. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Completely changes circumstance. I, like the right song, uh, whether it's a hymn or it's a current, like it completely and so even here yeah. like yes that yes this is there, a, there's something about music that that elevates that transcends that that goes beyond the the here and now and and all the muck of our our humanness and it transports us to the heavenlies and it yeah it's it's beautiful absolutely which then also makes sense why so many of the psalms were songs or would it list the instrument that is playing the actual Mm. psalm um, or who is singing it so that totally makes sense so uh, an exercise that anyone could do in this area is just writing down promises of god that really do speak to you or ones that you're like yes i do want to come back to this or words from hymns and and song lyrics that are very meaningful and just having that in your back pocket essentially or in a known place where you can turn to it and say, okay, this is what I got. I'm prepared for this. And that's that's been very helpful. To round things out, or as a final question for you two, in your experience, what is the outcome of lamenting? And what might people expect if they enter this process? So I guess this is kind of coming back to why do we even do this? I would say, um, and I think I stole this from the book, but I would say that lament stands in the gap between pain and promise, and it's a path from heartbreak to hope. So it it's all of those. Be ready for pain. Be ready to face the rawness and the toughness. Be ready for the pain. Be ready for the heartbreak. Unearthing that, stirring that stuff up. And and even in that, God is God is there. God 
God causes things to stir up in our souls and our spirits because he wants us to deal with them. So, so be ready for that. Don't, don't be surprised at the heartache and the pain and the sorrow and the tears. Um, but at the same time, be expectant. Be ready for his promises to be revealed. Be ready to have, be ready to be changed. Be ready to have hope on the other side of it. Even, even through it, be ready to have hope and, and trust. Yeah, trust is a huge part of, of lamenting. I 100% everything you said, I just want to echo. And like, I 100% agree with it. I wouldn't say we stole it. I'm going to say we learned. <laughs> but honestly, like what you said, life in general, you're going to go through pain. You're going to go through heartache and these seemingly hopeless situations. That's just going to happen regardless of if you lament or not. But having lament as a tool to find that hope, to see God in it, and to see like there is a way, like one of another promise I think of is like First Corinthians, I believe, 10, 13. It says like through every temptation, there's always an escape. You know, and to me, like even applying that kind of to the situation through every heartbreak, there is hope. You know, there's hope in this. And lament helps you find it. It helps you see it. It helps bring you from, as Paul mentioned, that heartache to the hope. And that's why I think it's so important and why I really desire for so many other Christians and people alike just to learn the process and be able to engage in it. Because I think it really does help, you know, it can be so easy. That's why we discussed it, to get stuck in the complaint. It can be so easy to stay there and to wallow in it. You have to move on. You have to ask boldly. But it can also be easy to just stop at asking boldly. To just ask God, but never trust that it can actually happen. To never trust that he'll actually do it. And so it's like the full process of lamenting, which we really just get that benefit. That full, like, I saw this hopeless situation, this heartache. And now I have hope. And I see God. Like you said before, like you said before, Latoya, it's very freeing. I mean, that the, the process is so freeing and liberating. It's very cathartic, cleansing, you know, emptying ourselves and pouring out, you know, instead of just kind of sitting and, and spinning and spiraling down and sort of fixating on, on what's, what's wrong. It, it, it becomes, like you said, just very freeing. And that's, that's so good. And, and I think enables us to go on to go on to the heights i think there's a scripture that refers to that it, it enables our, our feet to go onto the heights like like deer and it, it also leads us to, i think to be able to help other people who are struggling and hurting and, and going through things so yeah that was beautiful all of that any last thoughts or comments that you want to give on the ment or for those trying to learn about it i would say if this is like your first time we did this again, like I want to repeat, like for our cohort, every single week we wrote a new limit, you know? And so we had practice with it. So I'd be like, don't be afraid to practice with it. Don't think there's a certain word limit you have to reach. I remember the first time after our first meeting and Rebecca asked, or Becca, sorry, Becca asked like, what was like a hard thing to do about this? And I was like, honestly, I was trying to follow the guidelines. And I know some people are perfectionists, you know, and you're just like, did, did I complain? Right? <laughs> did I, did I ask enough, bold, boldly enough? Like, how is, how do I know if it's bold enough? 
it's just like, don't worry about that. Don't worry about the guidelines. Don't worry about like, if you're following the structure completely correct, just do what feels natural and feels right to you and just practice, practice, practice. Yeah. Way, way more about the, the person, you know, the person meaning, meaning you, but also meaning God way more about the person than, than the process. Mm-hmm. And, and you're absolutely right. Latoya, just enter into God's presence, pour yourself out. It can take a lot of different forms. It can look a lot of different ways. You might spend a lot more time complaining than you do asking. You might spend a lot more time asking and just, you know, questioning God. And that's good. There's not, you know, there's not a right way or a wrong way necessarily. Like you said, just be in God's presence and trust him and pour yourself out. Trust him with, with your heart. Trust him with those, those painful, difficult places in your life. Yes, and amen. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you both Paul Camps and Latoya Wilson for joining us on the podcast. I've been tremendously thankful that God has let our paths cross. Uh, you both have brought great wisdom and great vulnerability and just an excitement to see what God could do through this. And it's, you know, I thought it was a good idea to lament at the very beginning of 2020. And then as Paul, you mentioned, 2020 unfolded and it has been quite a year. Um, and there are so many things that just are honestly going awry and feel like they are so much bigger than us and they are so much bigger than us. So lament just seemed to be, to be more and more applicable. So I was hoping that, okay, this could be a good thing. But as a skeptical person that I am, I'm like, well, is it actually worthwhile? I'm not really sure. Will it lead to any place good? And from my experience, I think it has been worthwhile. And from what you both have said, getting to a point where you can hit all of those points with God and not be ashamed about any of them or not feel afraid of any of them to still turn to him and to still share what's hard and to still ask him to intervene and to still trust has all been so beautiful to watch. So I thank you for joining in that process with me because we didn't really know what was on the other end, but uh, it's been very, very good. So I'm praising God for that. The Upwards podcast is supported by the Stephen and Laurel Brown Foundation. It is produced at Upper House in Madison, Wisconsin. Music by Micah Bear. Audio engineering by Andy Johnson. And graphic design by Madeline Ramsey.